You're listening to The Moment, compelling conversations with amazing Canberra women, hosted by award-winning journalist Ginger Gorman. Today, Ginger talks to Siobhan McDonald, a lawyer and anthropologist who works on Indigenous land rights. The day Siobhan found out she was accidentally pregnant, she cried and cried, and then made a radical change. So I was living in Alice Springs with my husband Lawrence and my um, my first baby and we lived in a really beautiful bush block so every night we could see the kind of sun set over the Alpapa Ranges. It was, it was divine, it was kind of a dream come true really and I worked in this Aboriginal organisation called the Central Land Council and I was the policy advisor to a really prominent Indigenous leader called David Ross. So. My job was a lot of lobbying um, for the issues on, the beh- on behalf of the Land Council, travelling to Canberra and back again. I watched the intervention roll out in the Northern Territory. I'd begun a big evaluation of the intervention. I was in some of those very early communities where I watched the distress of Aboriginal people as tanks rolled into communities and things like that. So that was really the scenario. And despite that quite difficult political scenario and personal scenario in terms of those Indigenous communities, you did love it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I feel like being in the desert, I was there for six years and I feel like it really grew me up. Like I I moved out of Canberra and I went out into Aboriginal Australia and I had these experiences that almost nobody gets. You know, I went out in and did women's law and culture with groups of women. I I travelled round country, I knew stories, I knew stories about place. And I would translate that knowledge from the Land Council and I would bring it to Canberra and I would lobby for Aboriginal issues in all kinds of different ways. And I was deeply passionate about it. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing job. Something happened though that changed all of that. What was that? So we had had our first baby and he was eight months old and we were accidentally pregnant. So I can remember vividly sitting on the toilet in my house and looking down at the pregnancy test and just going, I can't believe it. You know, the line appeared and I was pregnant, totally unplanned, and it was a terrible shock. So the first baby, you know, we were over the moon, we were absolutely jubilant, we planned it, we were looking forward to it, and then the second pregnancy happened and it was just a terrible shock. And it was a terrible shock because I knew, or we knew that everything had to change. We'd had our first child and he was full on, he still is full on, absolutely gorgeous, but very willful and he'd been hard work and juggling him and work had been tricky. And I knew that if I was pregnant with a second child, so two kids under the age of two, I needed my mother. And that meant coming back to Canberra and it meant leaving Alice Springs. So we had to leave the jobs that we we were doing in the desert, my husband and I, um, leave this really lovely kind of set of of friendships and our whole network, leave this really interesting work, pack up our house, pack up our life and we came back to Canberra in the middle of winter and I cried for about three months. I just couldn't believe it. I just, I couldn't believe that we were so far away from that life that I loved and I sat in Canberra, was cold, you know, that cold, wet kind of Canberra winter with my little tiny kid taking him out to parks and things like that for those moments of sun of sun in the middle of the day and I just thought what have we done you know how how do we get here and we didn't have a house when we first moved so we were staying with my parents so three of us were in a room and it was lovely to stay with them but it was just again not what I'd planned at all 
And I myself have had that experience where you come back from overseas. I know this wasn't overseas, but such a different culture. Did you have a bit of that culture shock? Absolutely. I mean, I I was struck by the, the wealth in Canberra. And it was the difference for me of, you know, property values had just escalated astronomically in that period of time we'd been away. But even, you know, landing at Canberra Airport and seeing, you know, $1,000 handbags and shoes and, you know, it's just, it's a very different kind of professional culture here. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of money and a lot of wealth. And also there's no, there's not many, as many Aboriginal faces. So it's really, I mean, when you live in Alice Springs, you are living in Aboriginal Australia. And when you live in Canberra, you're living in a completely different cultural reality. So I was back here and I started to think, you know, I can't be at home with these two kids. I'm going to go crazy. I need to do something. And I had been really disappointed when I left Alice Springs. The Labor Party had come into power um, Kevin Rudd made the apology and I was in Alice Springs for this, for that, surrounded by Aboriginal people who'd been stolen generation members crying their hearts out. And But other than that, nothing much had shifted. You know, the intervention was still being rolled out. The big policy space hadn't changed very much. And I was burnt out. I just couldn't do Indigenous affairs anymore. So we had taken a trip to Vanuatu just to visit friends and to travel around and I thought... I'm really interested in land issues in Vanuatu, Indigenous people and land. That's really all I've done my whole life. I know what I'll do. I'll have this baby and I'll start a PhD because that'll fit really <laughs> seamlessly with, you know, juggling two kids and consulting work. No problem. So. That is slightly crazy, isn't it? I mean, the idea that you can just, and I mean, I've done this too, Siobhan, where you think, oh, just pop the kids in the handbag and keep going almost. Yeah, look, I am an eternal optimist, which is both a strength and a weakness. So I kind of am not very good at looking at how difficult things are. I just kind of think, you know, I'll just do it and it'll be fine. So I started this PhD on Vanuatu and because it was all about land and because it's in legal anthropology, to actually know how Indigenous people are attached to land and use land and how important it is to them, you need to be there. So I went and then picked up the whole family and we went and lived in Vanuatu for a couple of years. And that was an amazing experience, but hard as well. You talked just a few moments ago about landing in Canberra and seeing all the white faces, but do you remember that moment when you landed in Vanuatu and saw the landscape and the faces there? Yeah, I do. I remember it so well. So Vanuatu is incredibly beautiful. It's green and verdant. You know, it's um, brightly green in colour and it's volcanic and it, the volcano, the kind of soil and the mountains plunge down to, to sand beaches. So it's, it is very, very beautiful, but it's very different. It's very different from the desert and it's also very different from Canberra. So I remember that moment of landing in and just, and again, it was another life-changing moment of just what have I done? You know, I've just picked up all my family from Canberra. We'd, we'd only been there for a year, really, a year and a bit. And I'd picked them up and I'd relocated them to Vanuatu. And it had been for me. And that that's a difficult thing, I think, for a woman. Um, I still think that's more difficult. It's, it's less the usual kind of circumstances. So I... We were in Vanuatu for me. It wasn't what Lawrence wanted to do. It wasn't necessarily what the kids wanted to do. We were there for, for me to do this ethnographic work and to do legal work and to get a, a sense of how these, these land issues were important. 
What did you learn there, both about yourself and your family, but also professionally? Um, okay, there's a couple of questions there. What I learnt is of all the things I do, the things that I really love is working cross-culturally in this legal anthropology space. So over years in Vanuatu, I've done a whole range of different roles. I was the legal advisor to the Attorney General on land issues. I was the legal advisor inside the Vanuatu Cultural Centre. And then I became the legal advisor to the Minister of Lands, um, a very progressive minister called Ralph Regan Vanu. And in that role, I drafted all the new land laws in Vanuatu. I rewrote all the legislation and I redrafted the constitution. And I did that to do a really innovative way of making sure that Indigenous people can carefully work through a leasing process um, using international best practice. So for me, that's the work I love, that really complicated space of legal anthropology where you have to understand how people are attached to the landscape and how important land is to Indigenous people. And then you have to work out how to translate that into essentially a Western legal system. So it's really complicated work. There's only a couple of people who do it really well, you know, in, in the Pacific, but more broadly. And a lot of my understanding about how to do it came straight from the Aboriginal Land Rights Act in the Northern Territory. So the story really joins up. And I think that's what life is. You know, I think you take the understanding that you build from one part of your life and you translate it into other parts. But when you're saying it as if, oh, I did this and I did that, but those are incredible achievements, what you've done. You know, those are really big, significant things that you've done for the nation in Vanuatu. They are big, significant things. I mean, it, it wasn't just me. There were a team of people. It's just that I was the person who was writing the law. So at the moment in Vanuatu, all of those laws are being implemented and that's nothing to do with me. I think the other thing is it wasn't always easy. It's very difficult to work as a uh, Australian in these spaces because there are there is a real sense of the colonial history of Australia in the Pacific. It's very hard to work as a white woman in those spaces. So I have a very unique role in, in Vanuatu and it's not one that there's no other <laughs> there's no other woman in those spaces let alone a, a foreign woman yeah and what about things like childcare and food and just the ordinary everyday things that happen in your own culture which when you go into another culture are a whole different kettle of fish yeah absolutely so I think the biggest cross-cultural issue we had in Vanuatu was around children in Vanuatu children are absolutely seen as a blessing but they they also get hit and they also work so from a very young age um, you know six or seven or eight year old children boys and girls will look after younger siblings so the whole idea of what what a child is is very different from you know from our ideas so one of the first childcare centers I enrolled Will in um, so my my elder son he got hit and he got hit quite badly and I was outraged. I was, and I also was so incredibly sad. And he was so distressed because that had never happened to him before. So we whipped him out of that childcare centre, and that meant we had to put him in the, you know, the very expensive childcare, the kind of, you know, international school childcare. And so then I had to find a way of making the money to do that. 
But the other issue we had is we had very, very lovely women from the island we were working at who would work in our house all the time looking after our kids. But they essentially thought of them as little kind of princes. So we came home one day having left these women in charge and they're gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous women. And we said, you know, how, what have they had for lunch? And they said, oh, well, you know, the, these little boys, they really wanted tiny teddies. So we just let them eat, you know, 24 packets of <laughs> tiny teddies. And I was like, oh, no, that's not okay. You know, like. So no. they were just giving them what your kids wanted, which obviously wasn't a nutritious meal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they just wanted to make sure the kids were happy. So anything the kids wanted to do, they could do. There weren't very many boundaries. And they were very good at taking care of them and making sure they were safe but beyond that they were really happy for them to do you know anything they wanted really. And it's quite weird sitting in Canberra with you now reflecting on both Alice Springs and also this amazing transformative time that you had in Vanuatu and if you look at that moment when you found out you're pregnant and you said you're weeping and weeping for weeks how has that moment really transformed or changed your life do you think? I think, I mean, I think more broadly having children transforms your life in all kinds of ways that you never imagined. So for me still the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues in my life is that a lot of my work is still international. So how I manage that and manage being a mum and looking after kids and travel and all of these things is really complicated. And Lawrence is pretty amazing like that. But I think if I take, take myself back to that moment, I think it was probably time for me to leave the desert. You know, I think I'd been working in Indigenous affairs for 11 years and I worry in a lot of these areas that are very political that if you're not careful, you can get very caught up in particular ways of thinking and and very defensive and very, you know, you can you push the agenda of your institution and you stop being so open-minded. So what the time out in Vanuatu has done is just opened up my mind again. You know, I went to a whole new country, I learned a whole new language, I learned a completely different set of ideas around indigeneity and land and now I'm back working at the National Centre for Indigenous Studies and working with Mick Dodson, who's an, another really prominent Aboriginal leader and I think I come with all of that, with all of that journey but also I finished my PhD and so I've got, I really have um, a deep sense of, of how to research and also the PhD allowed me to step away from this very applied practical work I was doing to reflecting on it and to thinking about it and that's a kind of really rare privilege I think to be able to have time to think about the work that you've done. Do you grieve for the desert? Yeah I do and one of the things that I find really difficult is I've never been back. I, since we left, I haven't actually been back to Alice Springs and there are a whole range of reasons for that. Um, but it's partly because I, I felt such grief when we left and I'm really, I'm worried about going back. You know, that, that little house that we had in Il Papa Valley, that bush block with a veranda, with that view, I think I'm never going to get over it. I really, really miss it. And I feel like we had such a rare insight into living in Indigenous Australia. You know, to uh, all the hunting trips that I did with little old ladies collecting bush tomatoes, all of the culture that I, you know, participated in, all the dancing I did with women, all of the work I did with 
with leaders in the in the land council. I mean, it's just it's very it's very special, and um, I feel indebted. Really, I feel like people took me into those places and told me those stories in particular ways, and. You know, I have a responsibility to work on Indigenous issues in all kinds of different ways as a result of that. You've been listening to The Moment, compelling conversations with amazing Canberra women, hosted by award-winning journalist Ginger Gorman. Today, Ginger has been talking to lawyer and anthropologist Siobhan McDonnell. Don't forget, if you want to nominate someone for our podcast, go to Her Canberra dot com dot au